Welcome back. This is the 42nd episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. Joining me this month is English DJ, producer, and musician Anthony Child, also known as Surgeon. A music industry veteran who got his start DJing in the 1990s, Tony has long been an integral force in the world of techno, best known for his driving DJ sets and his thoughtful productions, which often take inspiration from non-musical works like literature and art. His music has also expanded into experimental live performance with projects like the Transcendence Orchestra, allowing him to explore even further corners of electronic music and question the very limits of what constitutes techno. In this conversation, we focus on an idea that has been on both our minds lately. What makes music authentic? How can an artist bring honesty to every facet of their work? What constitutes authenticity in a fickle industry? And what does it mean to be true to your own voice? Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this is actually our second interview, the first one we did several years ago. I'm really excited yes. to have you on the podcast. Good. Yeah, yeah. I remember, um, I think I kind of remember coming and doing the interview possibly on my way to the airport, I think. I don't know if I remember that right. I think it was DJ Pete that came with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he had a really good time like just listening to all of your stories. So it was a really, it was a really nice interview. Yeah, it was fun. So we have this topic of uh, authenticity that we talked about before we started talking today. And I'd love to know, I guess, just broadly, like, what does authenticity mean to you as an artist? Like, how do you imagine your most authentic or honest music? Well, yeah, for sure. That's a big, yeah, that's a big question for sure. I think that um, thinking about authenticity, I, I think, I think, it really depends on um, what drives you personally. And, um, you know, it's like, what what are the things that you're running towards and what are the things you're running away from? And so um, I, think, I think for me, uh, the thing about authenticity is very much, is driven by an, a kind of internal, very much an internal... Uh, mm -hmm. kind of judge of that really so I and this is this is what um, this is what I go along for with kind of all my production and, and performance it's like I know I know in myself when it's right or yeah I guess authentic and that's that's kind of the thing I'm searching for really is when I know in myself when it's when it's real, authentic, or however you want to uh, put it. And that's, uh, yeah, that's ultimately what I'm searching for, I think. Um, and I guess that I feel that if I can, if I can create something that I feel is really an authentic expression, then I hope that other people are going to be able to connect with that. That's the kind of my idea. So as opposed to trying to like externally please people I try to make something that's authentic within myself and I think other people uh, would connect to that has that been a a journey in some ways for you like kind of discovering what what makes music that sounds like that well uh yeah I mean that what my idea of of that is, uh, yeah, for sure, changes and mutates all the time, and it it is it is influenced by whatever's kind of uh, whatever I find exciting at the time. Mm. 
you know, and that is, I suppose that's where, where the external influences come in. It's like what, what I'm, whatever I come into contact with that I find uh, exciting and inspiring and has, has like a, a good vitality and energy to it. That's where the external influences come. I mean, I was also thinking about what authenticity means to me as like a music lover, but also as somebody who does music-based interviews. Um, and I was doing a bit of Googling and I found this diagram that had like all these related words on it. So things like vulnerability, trust, integrity, value, truth, um, all of those things really, for me, emphasize things that I want to achieve or put out in the world with the work that I do. Um, does that resonate with you? Do any of those words kind of speak to what you were describing? Yeah, I think that um, I think that showing as an artist, showing sh- showing myself to be human and imperfect is really really important. And I've uh, I think a long time ago I let go of an idea of 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 it sounds kind of strange almost it's almost sounds like something you shouldn't say but I let go of the idea of striving for perfection mm-hmm. it almost sounds it almost feels weird to say that but it's true um because that's um yeah that's definitely not not helpful and not healthy as well mm. I think um and I guess when it comes when it comes to a performance or or a production, I feel like there has to well, particularly with a, with productions, there has to be a point where I I let something go, and I'm not trying to like polish it more and more and more and more because yeah, there's definitely a point with with trying to perfect something where you're actually taking away from the the power of it, and I try to think of. Um, you know, a lot of the time with production, it's about kind of cap. It's a snapshot of a moment in time, mm-hmm. and the and so I like to work really quickly to distill a moment in time. And the more I try to uh, manipulate it, the longer I try to do that, the less um, powerful it becomes as a as a snapshot of a moment in time. And yeah, and then. Yeah, I guess it's not as uh, sort of quote authentic then. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you ever find that that works against you in the sense that, like, you know, now you're trying to achieve this Im- imperfectness, and maybe that is hard to achieve sometimes as well? Well, it's about well, it's not about trying to in- achieve imperfectness. It's about trying to uh, t- trying to express honesty Mm. about I don't know it's about the way things really are Mm -hmm. in in that in that moment (laughs) (laughs) we're getting very philosophical yeah no I I it it, it gets very quick it quickly gets very philosophical with me (laughs) (laughs) so for me I think one of the one of the most challenging parts of like authenticity in terms of interviewing is trust. Um, And I think that's really an essential part of my job as an interviewer. And it's something that I work really hard to cultivate with the people that I interview. So I'm wondering like what part of this sort of idea of authenticity is most crucial for your job as a musician, like whether that's as a DJ or as a producer, as a live performer. Um, ah, um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's about, yeah, remaining focused on my own internal, my own internal idea of what's authentic, and not being too distracted by external factors like commercial factors and things mm. like that. And basically, um, the way the way I kind of notice that I'm being uh, distracted in that way is. Well, like basically making decisions based on on fear is always is always uh, always produces bad results. It's like it's like if you're afraid you're not getting enough gigs, so you're going to like churn out some some like cheesy garbage to get you more gigs. It's like that's a bad idea, Mm. you know, uh, 
I know for me personally, that that's not the solution to that that situation. Mm-hmm. But I guess on the other side of that, like sometimes fear can also be a good thing. Like if you are worried about about trying something new and you don't try it because you're too scared, I guess that's also working against it. Maybe. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think I think um, I think com- confidence has a lot plays into into this a lot, and I think for me that that's come from um, doing this for a long time. It's just about the the duration of it, um, mm-hmm. really. Um, but yeah, I, I think something. I think an important point for me when we're talking about authenticity is that it's about uh, an internal thing and it's not about being having some kind of um like I don't know underground credibility or something like that you know that, that that's you know it's not it's that's not the same thing to me it's like um it's about artistic authenticity as opposed to cool authenticity or something like that of course so you mentioned that this was kind of all of this is sort of the result of like confidence in your own personal growth having been in the music industry for so long so do do you think there was a moment where things sort of shifted for you like where you I don't know maybe were doing things as a result of fear at one point and then you kind of realized what you were doing and went on a different path like was there a moment where things changed I don't know I think I think um I think the idea of uh delusion is really important in this <laughs> and i and, and it's it's uh i think delusion is something that's that can be quite under underappreciated and undervalued i think when i started out i had no idea what i was doing and that was really important for me because i didn't know it's like when you don't know what the rules are then you don't sort of have to stick to them mm. so i think that that was really important and just um I don't know. There, the I I think being an artist, having uh, having having a certain amount of delusion, is is really useful because if you I don't know if if you look um, if you look rationally at your situation as an artist in the beginning, it's insane. It's like what are the odds? You know, just stop now. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any sense. But if you have that level of delusion and faith in what you're belief in what you're doing a delusional faith in what you're doing then that kind of will make you stick at it i i think that's really that's something that's really served me and kept me kept me going all this time you know well i guess it's like especially when you're starting out and maybe like nobody's listening to what you're doing or you feel like nobody cares you kind of have to have that sort of keep yourself going like like unending faith in yourself um, even for me with the podcast, I feel that there are times when I feel like, what is the point? But I just know that I have to keep doing it for myself. Yeah, yeah it's it's a, it's kind of a good driving driving force, isn't it? Mm-hmm, <laughs> hooray, hooray for, for delusion. <laughs> <laughs> so um, with all of that in mind, do you think that you're achieving this idea of authenticity these days or in recent years? Like, um, do you think that right now is the most true to your own voice that you've been with your music? Um, I think, I think, uh, f- for me in recent years, particularly the project I'm involved with called the Transcendence Orchestra is something very important, uh, is a really, is a great outlet for for me to uh uh honestly express myself and deeply explore that side of honest expression because i feel that i don't know it's like it's an area which doesn't really have such uh like uh, I'd call it like an invisible script. Mm-hmm. It's it's like when you talk about techno, it's such a well-established area and there are all these invisible rules there. And I actually enjoy playing with that and stretching those rules. Let's see how much we can bend and stretch this thing called techno. And that's kind of, I feel that's what I've done all along. Mm-hmm. It's like, where can we, how far can we stretch it before it, people 
kind of say, hold on a minute, that's not techno anymore. And that, that has happened quite quite a few times. But but with the Transcendence Orchestra, I feel like there isn't such a script there when it comes to the recordings and particularly the live performances. Mm-hmm. So we've got this blank page to work with and it's really it's been really fun and really interesting um playing with that you know it's Mm. it's just a it's just a wide kind of a wider playing field and it's Mm. um it's been fun does having that kind of very free outlet also feed you creatively like I wonder if it's sort of this never-ending cycle, like you get inspired by the work that you're doing and it makes you continue to create and then that inspires you again. Like, um, I'm sure that that must be very rewarding. Like, I know that a lot of your previous work has been inspired by like concepts or references or influences, um, but it must be also very satisfying to get that inspiration from just making music and performing it. Yeah, it's it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a... Yeah, like you say, it's definitely a feedback loop mm. that that you know it generates this energy and excitement, and that's that's a big drive for me. And um, I've always noticed this where I think initially I might feel that um, like the Surgeon Techno Project and the Transcendence Orchestra Project may initially feel like very separate things, but I do begin to realise the way that they feed into each other. And, um, you know, for example, the way with doing live performances with the Transcendence Orchestra, it's all uh, like completely improvised. There's nothing we bet. We don't even really discuss what we're going to do before we perform. Mm. We just kind of go. And I think that my years performing as a DJ in terms of, uh, you know, working with an audience and feeling, you know, working on the the level of uh, like the energy of an audience and feeling the energy and bringing the energy up and down and and moving it around, sort of thing. That really feeds into the the, the performances with Transcendence Orchestra and and vice versa as well. I, they're things I learn because that's that's a different area, so I learn. I learn new things from that type of performance, and I I think I've brought those back into the into the DJing and and live techno performances as well. So mm. it's um, yeah, I've learned a lot from from that. spoken about the kind of journey to your to achieving your ideal live performance Um, and you've spoken about how you felt that you'd been too cautious early on about it that you kind of took away the power of a live show Mm -hmm. which you feel lies in the in the risk or the the danger of like messing up and having it be a really live setting can you speak about that yeah um i i guess i guess i was held back by an idea of perfection you know it's like okay someone's someone's booked me to do a live performance and they're going to pay me money to do this and people are going to come and see it so you know I want it to be good obviously Mm -hmm. so I spent a lot of time preparing and you know in quote perfecting it and so I came Mm -hmm. to perform it and I uh, I found it was really boring because you know, if you're essentially standing there 
and letting something virtually letting something play it, i was like wow this is this is really boring <laughs> um so i don't know i i didn't i didn't i didn't do um a live performance again for a long time and then i think yeah i saw i saw some people like um uh Blauan performing with some like Eurorack modular gear and i just thought wow that really looks fun <laughs> and that was and that was that was a real uh like flicking a switch in my head where i realized uh, maybe i'd kind of forgotten about the fun part of it and so it was great to see that and it really inspired me to to just be more hands on a bit more rough and ready and and have more fun with it and um what i realized is that you know when you dj you're 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 combining pieces of pre-recorded music together mm. but when you perform with some some gear uh, some some uh, electronic equipment um i really i really believe that the even even if the audience doesn't have a technical knowledge of that gear that's beside the point they can really they really have a sense something being created there and then and there's like a danger a slight danger and unpredictability to that and i think mm. that they really feed off that energy mm. and that creates a really unique kind of excitement and that was that was really what i was exploring and still explore with these um live techno performances is trying to to generate that that type of uh, energy and excitement mm-hmm and so why do you think that you don't have that same sort of cautious feeling when you're DJing? Like, why is it only with live performance that you feel this different energy? Um, I think, well, I mean, my approach to all of these things has changed a lot mm. over the years. I've explored different areas, but I think at the moment when it comes to DJ sets, I'm trying, I, I really enjoy trying to craft a sort of musical journey and I like to mix up a lot of different styles together and almost assimilate them into being an overall feeling of techno. Mm -hmm. But if you take each individual piece, you could, people could argue, well, that's not techno. Um, but with the live performances, it's about with yeah with the live techno performances it's it's i don't know um i'm exploring a different thing with that mm -hmm. than i am with with djing it's yeah. like 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 i said about um uh having yeah the excitement of creating something in that moment and i'm i'm surprised and excited by it as well as the audience it's not like um i don't know what's coming you know, I hear it at the same moment that the audience does. So, so right. it, it really kind of um, you not uh, brings us together in a really nice way, mm -hmm. um, where it's not just sort of performer transmitting to the audience. I become even more a part of that feedback loop with the mm. music and the audience. So, I really enjoy that. That's really interesting. So, you you mentioned this first ever live performance that you did that you thought was really boring. Um, so, what about a more recent one? Uh, maybe you can tell me about some live show that you've played recently, and maybe what's changed for you since that really boring show. Like, uh, what's changed in a tangible sense, and also what has changed for like you personally? I mean, towards towards the end of last year, I did a few live performances. There was one. In, there was one in Copenhagen that was a lot of fun and yeah actually so I end up ch I end up changing the combination of equipment I use quite often mm. as new ideas come I use different bits of equipment or use older equipment that I used to use or whatever anyway. So it's, you know, there's, there's, it's easy to change the, the combination. And that kind of comes from being excited about having new ideas about that. But I also like it because I feel when I do a few gigs with a certain setup, I start to feel more comfortable and that's almost 
and and what I realize when I when I feel more comfortable is okay it's time to change something now and it's it's time to it's time to like yeah to to bring more risk back into it and I like I like doing live performances where I'm essentially learning the gear as I'm mm. performing live because that's that's fun and exciting and I hope to kind of transmit that energy um and excitement to the to the audience so mm. um yeah I'm always I'm always changing the gear that I use um just so I don't get too too comfortable with it mm. I like that, but I find it very like if I not that I would be you, but if I was you, I would be really scared to do that. It doesn't make yeah, it doesn't make sense, and we're 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 back into probably into delusion again. I, I think you know I, I know I've done this so many times before where I I have my live set up, uh, I have my live um, gear set up at home, and I'm playing around with it. You know I'm. It's not so much like rehearsing it's more about you know having an instrument and becoming comfortable enough to express myself with it mm-hmm. so i play around with it and then it'll be like the night before i'm due to fly to to do the gig and i'll get a new idea and i'll change something about it and it's like mm-hmm. i know in my head this is not this is really not a sensible thing to do <laughs> you know but when i have a new idea I just get excited about it and I have to go with it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's definitely an irrational, uh, part of me, but I, I like, I like that excitement of new ideas. That's, that's, that really drives my enthusiasm. And what if you make a mistake? Well, if I make a mistake, I think there are definitely points in the live set and this comes into the making a mistake thing where I can, it's like, imagine you're, you're spinning all these plates, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that thing where you spin plates and uh, yeah, you can just see it all. It's all going wrong. It's all going to crash. And instead of trying to save it, I just let it destroy itself. Hmm. And then I kind of start again and I, and I build I don't know the groove and the and the sounds and things and I and I build it back up again. So if if something's spinning out of control, it's sort of okay to let it let it crash. Hmm. So that that's that's how I that's how I react. And if it's a little if it's a little mistake, I don't know. There's that thing about uh, if you keep if you repeat a mistake enough times, then it's not a mistake. And that's, I, I think that comes as um, possibly Miles Davis said that he was talking uh-huh. about, you know, with jazz, if you, yeah, it's not a mistake if you, if you do it again. So, and it's the same with techno. Hmm. Um, in your art of production feature for RA, you said that it's fun for you to know the rules of performance, uh, the moves is what you guys called it, and then consciously break them. So like to start off following them and purposely kind of go off track and create some tension or make something go on for a really long time. And you said that this stuff is really powerful for you as a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. And I really agree, but I do wonder if it takes a certain amount of confidence. Like, did you have to learn how to break the rules in the way that's right for you? Well, I think the rules that we're talking about in, in that example is like, for example, you know, um, bars of you know four eight sixteen where where changes happen i think that people dancing to get techno get use uh, uh, particularly uh these days <laughs> mm-hmm. um are, are, are used to a certain a certain structural format so it's very easy if you, it's very easy to to set people slightly off balance as it were, sort of psychologically by, by not, uh, not sticking to those, uh, conventions. And I don't know, I think it's, there's something, yeah, particularly when I'm performing, there's something really, uh, I don't know, con contrary, in, in a performance, I love tension and release. Mm-hmm. And I don't just, I don't like a performance which is all, uh, I don't know, spoon feeding or, or just always, you know, that can work in its own way. But I like to, 
I like a performance which has a tension and a release and and can have difficult and awkward parts and then has a a resolution to it. I enjoy mm-hmm. I enjoy that kind of um back and forth. Mm-hmm. So so playing around uh, breaking the rules of the structure is a way of doing that but also about the the thing I said previously about uh letting something like collapse and and destroy itself. Earlier you mentioned that you don't want to get too comfortable with your setup because then things kind of get a bit boring for you. And I wonder, um, I mean, it seems like to me that you you want that discomfort to extend to the audience a little bit as well, like not giving people exactly what they want or expect from a performance. Like maybe that's a like a, a bad thing uh, for you as a performer. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think it comes from the idea. I like, I've always liked... Um, art and performers who try to stretch things a little and push at boundaries of things, you know, and there, there are many, there, yeah, there are many different ways of of doing that. Um, and yeah, it's just whatever, whatever way of doing that that I that I find interesting at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine that reaching this place of like feeling super free to experiment and um, try new things with your live performances requires a lot of trust, not only with yourself, but also for the Transcendence Orchestra with your collaborator, Daniel Bean. So mm. how does that work exactly? Like, what is it What is it like for you guys? Do you practice beforehand or is it just improv the whole way? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we, I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It, it is, it really is, there is a lot of trust between us. Uh, so much so that we don't, you know, I, I live in Worcestershire, he lives in London, so it's it's not easy for us to get together. Mm-hmm. So we don't, we don't practice and we don't rehearse, you know, and we, we've collaborate with other, uh, other people as well. And we've done performances where that has literally been the first time, I think we did a performance once and it, with someone and it was the first time that Dan had actually met this person <laughs> let alone rehearsed or performed with them but you know um if someone yeah if there's that trust there and when it comes to improvisation it people have to understand the idea of the importance of listening the the fundamental fundamentally important part of it is 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 paying attention it's better to like hang back and not do anything and listen to what's going on than it is to just steam ahead and make a racket i remember speaking with sebastian milliard who does these really cool live performances called circle of live there were like five or six different people um and he said that some of the best moments come out of when a collaborator it just tries something out and everybody else kind of like you said, just listens and then feeds off of that creativity. So, you know, when, when we're talking, when you, when you mentioned um, that sometimes you like to just let things self-destruct, what is that like when you're performing with somebody else? Like, does he just let that happen also? It, yeah, that can happen. I guess, yeah, it comes down to me, me, you know, if what I'm doing is going horribly wrong, <laughs> but, but I can hear what he's doing is working then i'll just kind of back off and let him let him do his thing Mm -hmm. but um yeah that reminds me of other uh, that reminds me of something else with these kind of improvised performances where there's often this point that i absolutely love where what we're doing just sounds totally crazy and i cannot figure out what is me and what is Dan? And it's amazing because I, I've so often had those situations where I'm trying to manipulate something and I actually realise, wow, the sound I thought was me is, is actually Dan. And it's a it's this amazing, you know, um, it removes these kind of ego boundaries and, and, you know, you don't know 
what's you and what's what's the other person you know I, mm. I I love those moments do you think that that is only possible with somebody that you've known for over 10 years like do you think that 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 part of it knowing each other for so long is really essential to the performance because of your friendship you're just able to like let things flow more and just feel the music more and uh, if you if you didn't know each other would it be different it's it's interesting because that that makes me think about you know I I've uh, done performance collaborations with a lot of different people and I love the way that that relationship is really different for each with each person for example you know like DJing with Pete mm-hmm. uh, doing lives uh, doing a live set with uh, Lady Starlight or with Blauan mm-hmm. or with Dan um, you know all, all of these are really different and I I need to it's about being aware and tuning into what that live relationship is and I think I think it's possible to do that with someone I haven't known that long but they they've got a uh, they've got to have a really good sense of awareness and and listening ability Hmm. Um, and I think it's funny yeah I think I think you can tell straight away if someone's not really listening. Mm-hmm. So do you reach that state when you're performing alone also? Do you, do you find that you're in that state of flow on your own as well? Kind of. There's a, there's a different type of... Uh, uh, it, you could almost describe it as a perpetual state of panic <laughs> when when you perform on your own when i perform on my own um i have to i got to maintain i'm like doing this mental multitasking i've got to maintain this flow and this uh a level of energy but also kind of steer it a little bit um and it, to be honest, it's actually it's actually a lot easier and and often a lot more enjoyable to to perform with someone else because, um, yeah, I really enjoy that that you know musical conversation because mm-hmm. when I when I do a techno live set, I I play for one hour, which seems kind of a short amount of time, but for that uh, that kind of state, <laughs> that kind of panic state of panic, it's. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah, that works okay. What about in the studio? I remember reading a bit about this in your RA art of production feature, and you talked about this briefly at the top of the interview. Um, that you've sort of been able to distill this real time sort of panic mode, I guess, that you just mentioned, um, and improvisation from your performances and bring it into the studio so that you're working in this same kind of fast pace, like capturing a moment in time is what you called it. Um, can you tell me a bit more about that process for you? So um, when I first when I first started making techno music, it was a it was you know using a bunch of hardware machines connected uh, sync synchronized together, and I kind of didn't realize this at the time, but looking back, I was doing a, I was doing a live performance and and recording it onto a DAT tape. I didn't use a computer or any real sophisticated sort of sequencer. But I would uh, I would play I would mute and play the desk to bring the different parts in and out and and manipulate. So it was essentially just recording uh, that live performance in the studio. And so many years later, I kind of realised that. So I kind of almost went back into that where I would set up a few pieces of equipment, very much like a small sort of live setup, mm. and record what would be the length of the track, five, six minutes, but leave the drums out. And and so that captures a type of live performance. And then in the computer I can I can add I can add add the drums or other parts, pads or whatever into that. So it's like a um a way of having a way of having a live performance um as part of a produced track. And then, I don't know, it could be anywhere uh, along that scale from 
com just completely recording the whole track live or just recording bits of it live and then reconstructing it and editing it as much as possible. But um, like we said in the beginning, it's trying to not polish something too much mm -hmm. um, to lose that that um, that human uh, that human element. I I really enjoy the sound of humans act in. I don't know maybe maybe one of my ideas of of techno is is an idea of humans and machines Working interacting together. yeah and so i don't know it was the yeah back to the the craftwork i idea of man uh human man machine human okay. and machine and so i don't want to squeeze the human part of that out too much mm -hmm. i think that's an essential uh, part of what I like about that kind of music. Mm -hmm. So does making music that is meaningful also, does that also have to do with authenticity? Like, do you think that they go hand in hand? Like, it's maybe a weird question, but I think that um, a lot of artists that I've spoken to anyway don't really have a story or a meaning behind the, the music that they're making. Um, and while I don't think it's necessarily essential to have a story or meaning behind what you're making, I do think that deeper meaning makes more authentic music. Yeah, I think that... Um, I think actually what I realise really goes in hand in hand with this internal idea I have of authenticity um i think the best way i can describe it is a lot of a lot of my favorite music the thing i love about it isn't the style or the genre it's about music which seems and this is particularly abstract music it's when it seems to create its own universe i would describe it as mm. and it's almost like an artist or a piece of music when i listen to it i i can imagine a different place almost with its own set of rules of physics or something even um maybe a strange way of describing it but i don't know it's this idea so so when i when i create music i want to i yeah, I want it for me at least to to create its own place that it exists, its own universe. It's 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 quite it's difficult for me to describe, but that's sort of that's the best way I can describe it. So that that's part of what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. It's like when I listen to it, does does it create its own universe and 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 even when it's really abstract and really fantastical, do I believe it? You know, mm. I have to believe it. It's, 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 yeah, belief and authenticity and they're all kind of tied together. Mm. You once talked about how your album Breaking the Frame was your most personal album so far at the time that was in 2011. So do you think that that is a good example of a, an album that creates its own universe and that you really believed in? Yeah, I mean, I for sure I did it. I did it at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that. Yeah, that that was uh, what I was trying. One thing I was really trying to explore with that was the idea of kind of abstract spiritual music, and and what that was and what that meant to me, um, like. Uh, yeah, people like Eliane Radigue and um, Alice Coltrane and um, Lamont Young and these these people, um, and yeah, I think that's yeah that was that was that was really kind of me going going inside and and exploring those kind of things.
also said that because that album was so personal for you, you didn't really mind whether it was like well received or popular. You were just happy to have made it.、Uh, and I really love that idea. And I think that freeing yourself from like waiting on that judgment can be really important to making music that feels truthful and feels true to your voice.、Um, would you say? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, it can often. I think it can often be a difficult thing to do because、um, the the dance music industry is so is such an industry and it's so established and it's so multifaceted and it involves so many people and to you know I feel a strong sense and pressure that there's a certain Correct way about how you release music, how how you promote it. There's there's a there's like this streamlined format to that. A, a lot of a lot of projects don't don't work within that that format,、mm-hmm. and、um, and it's yeah, it's not it's not always suitable for for every kind of project. So、um, yeah, you don't have to work that way. <laughs> Do you feel like you've been able to harness that same kind of outlook with your releases more recently? Yeah, I mean, it 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 comes down to what I'm exploring. I mean, like, I did, I did, I released two twelve inches called、uh, under the,、um, that were called Raw Tracks One and Two, and they were very、uh, kind of very direct and physical、um, raw kind of dance floor techno, and they were quite They were, they were quite straightforward and less esoteric. There wasn't really anything esoteric about them. They were kind of straightforward and to the point. But、um, yeah, I mean, the other end of the scale, let's say, would be the Transcendence Orchestra music. That's a lot more、um, internal and contemplative.、Mm. So it really, yeah, it really, it really depends. You know, I, I, in more recent years, I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed this idea of of、uh, exploring and investigating different types of projects. There's not just like one sound that I'm that I'm pursuing. There、mm-hmm. are there are there are many different.、Um, There are many different projects, and some some might just be one or two twelve-inch releases, and others might be a kind of ongoing project.、Mm-hmm. I was going to ask actually if you feel that your current creative process is maybe allowing you to discover new parts of yourself, or new parts to your process, or new sounds that you want to explore further. Like, does every every kind of exploration like give birth to another thing that you want to explore? If that makes sense. Uh, it, yeah, it can do. I mean, I've、um, I've been really enjoying、um, producing and and performing with other people, and what because that always makes me do things in a different way that I wouldn't do on my own, and、um, discover and realize new and different things. So, I, yeah, I'm really. I've been enjoying that recently.、Mm. How else do you hope to experiment or push your own boundaries in the future? I, well, I mean, hoping, hopefully, the whole thing with gigs and clubs and stuff is is all going to be like happening again. But I, so over the years, the idea, the specific idea of what techno is to me has. Has like morphed and changed a,、mm-hmm. a bit over the years. You know, it's all it's always something different. You know, whatever I'm excited by, and I feel like currently, what my idea of what what I'm excited about within techno is kind of different from a lot of other people at the moment.、Mm-hmm. I think I think that that over over time that that. Can be closer or further apart, so I'm quite interested to、um, to 
get out there and, and be DJing and playing a lot of this stuff that I'm really excited about and just seeing how how people connect with it. Because, um, you know, in, in the last months of last year, that that was, um, I was really happy with how, how that was going down with, with people. been listening to surgeon for air podcast episode 42 we'll be back on the last wednesday of the month with another episode so check back in march for episode 43 in the meantime you can follow us on instagram at at underscore air podcast or support us on patreon at patreon.com slash air thanks for listening